I want to welcome everyone back to the Duck Pond Wall. I'm Monica Hoyle, your host, and I'm thrilled to have with me in the studio today Adam Bolt. That's right, the famous Adam <laughs> Bolt. Adam, how are you today? I'm doing great. Yeah. Beautiful day on campus. I know, right? It's gorgeous outside. Yeah. It's You know, we're going to get tricked. It's still February. Oh, yeah. I, I hope we do. Do you? You want more cold weather? Well, I think we we need a little bit. And also, I uh, I think there's like this game at least on social media, of people trying to post the lilies out oh, yeah. before whoever can post them out the first <laughs> yeah, wins. Yeah, like and crocus, the crocus fight. Yeah, mm-hmm. and there's just all the doom and gloom that comes with with spring art. I don't know why people are so worried about it early. but I know. Well, it feels like everything's going to get frozen, and so people are freaking out. Yeah. yeah. All right. Back to you. So, <laughs> remind me what year you graduated from memory. Uh, 2012. 2012. Yes. You have had a really cool career during that time in music, and you've got a new album coming out, which is one of the reasons why we wanted to talk today. Let's talk about this music thing that you do. You've just always played music and enjoyed music. That was just something that was always part of your life? Um, I have always enjoyed it. I've always enjoyed music. Mom and dad always had music playing and and record collections and I've always enjoyed it. Um I think what attracts me to music more so is is uh lyrics and words and and playing with words and and seeing how far you can get with words making sense and being obscure with words. I remember it was like a Christmas. We were watching Whose Line Is It Anyways? Oh, yeah. I love that show. And like the old school one, the mm-hmm. British one. Yeah. And they were doing like um, like freestyle rapping uh, about Christmas. Uh-huh. And so there's we have video somewhere of my brother and sister and I rapping, freestyle rapping. And I think it kind of started from that and, and wanting to entertain and, and – uh, I played, I took guitar lessons and never really did a lot of the songwriting that way. But then in middle school, I started experimenting with rap music. And you know, I heard you say that the other night, and I kind of thought you were kidding. No, it's true. Because yeah. <laughs> that feels like a, a, a world away from what I hear you doing now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in, in a lot of ways, it is. But it was always about just kind of wordplay. And in, in high school, um, there were some students that were uh, freestyle battle rapping. Which is, I don't know what that is. It's basically does it involve battleship? Because I do love it, that. It doesn't involve battleship. Okay, it involves making fun of your uh, opponent ah. using words that rhyme. So it's kind of like <laughs> slam poetry, or um, and there's some people that your were, mama jokes. Yeah, yeah. basically, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and there's there's some people getting attention, and I was wanting to be one of those people. So. Um, I got into, and, and lunch was so boring anyways. I mean, lunch is just, in high school, is just a way to get in trouble. See, I thought it was I thought it was a chance to eat. You're, eat and talk, eat. but for me, it was uh. a chance to do something to get in trouble. Gotcha. Um, so uh, the battle rapping was a lot of fun, and I, I got a detention. I got a tension and detention. <laughs> um, <laughs> All the tensions. Yeah, and uh, so that kind of that was uh, part of my life, and it actually kept me out of trouble we would go and and record uh, rap songs at my friend's house after school. And did, yeah. and you performed at lunch, but did you perform other places? I think senior year we entered a battle of the bands with our uh, rap group. How'd you do? 
Well, it was <laughs> it was a a big scheme actually from this this uh, company that were they supplied us with like two hundred tickets and we had to sell the tickets to the community members and they got all the all the profit. We didn't get so oh. every band got two hundred tickets. You had to sell the tickets and then you it was based on the they had a a, a sound decibel machine and so whoever had the best applause uh that's I really, crazy i don't remember i think we did okay but someone brought an air horn in there for one of the other bands and <laughs> oh, oh that's not right <laughs> yeah so anyways it was, it's been a it's been a long journey and it's been a part of me uh for a long time when was there a moment when you said okay this is not just me in the lunchroom anymore this is something i'm pretty good at um definitely uh, when i started here at emory i was hanging out at some open mics in Bristol. The first open mics that I went to was at O'Manon's upstairs, and it was late. It was like 10 p.m. is when it started. And I went there, and I sang uh, one original song and then two Johnny Cash covers. And the host of the show said, hey, that, that one song you did that was original was really cool, but we don't really like the covers here. Oh, interesting. Um, so, because it was it was more designed for singer songwriters and oh, okay. um, original music, which I thought, you know, that's that's great. I'll just go do more originals. Do you remember uh, what you sang that night? It was either I think I had a song called Mailbox Smashing. Was it a true story? It was it was about a friend of mine uh, named Mike. Him and his dad. Uh, this was in high school in Durham. They repaired mailboxes, and Mike also smashed them, so he had his own little thing going on so he could so his dad could make money off of it. <laughs> yeah yeah so that's that what is that terrible song was about it and is very really and very efficient federally offensive yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes that was you know just they started out as kind of silly songs i'm still doing silly songs i i think that now i'm doing kind of songs that are silly but also hopefully have some meaning or something behind them well, you know, you just did this live performance at the Smith Chapel recently and, and recorded that, to, and that's the album that's coming out. Everybody I talked to, pretty much, male and female, all admitted to openly sobbing at some point during the concert. That's a good... <laughs> I think you can have uh, all types of emotions in one song, and that's uh, what I try to aim for with my writing is because, I don't know, I don't, I don't like to be sad without being ha- with a res- without a resolve or the same I don't want to be too happy too I want an equal balance yeah. in life and that's so funny I've I've just been hearing a lot this week about issues of joy and how sorrow is such an important part of joy because they they feed each other I, yeah I would definitely agree with that a lot of people compare you to John Prine and yeah. I think for that very reason, because he was so good at wordplay and telling a story and making you laugh and then suddenly, like, you know, giving you the gut punch of something. Is he someone that you have enjoyed and followed over the years? Yeah, I mean, I, I can't really hide it. I've I've modeled my music after him. We used to take the, the long trips in the car, and Mom and Dad both were big John Prine fans. Dad, I, his story is that he discovered John Prine when he was here at Emory. All right. Uh, I think it was uh, Mike Chitwood who got him listening <laughs> to John Prine. And, yeah. And they would go back and forth. And I don't, I hope this is the right story that I'm telling, but Mike would be like, oh, this is so meaningful. And Dad was like, oh, I don't, I don't really see that. And I, I remember that same thing growing up. 
with the the great compromise, John Prine's song, and Dad was, brilliant. Yeah, Dad was. He's like, this is this is about war. This is about America. And as a six year old, I'm like, I don't get it, you know. So, <laughs> and and there's still like a lot of John Prine that I I know all the words, but I don't know what exactly he was talking about. So, the other one was you know Gordon Lightfoot, um, Jimmy Buffett is one I stayed away from. Really? How <laughs> yeah. come? Uh, Too it, popular? I, it just wasn't like the. It didn't hit me as a kid. It was like just kind of hippie beach music. But but now um, I've gotten into Jimmy Buffett like later in my life, and huh. I really like his writing and his music too. So I just wonder if like Jimmy Buffett is. You get to a certain age, and then you're you just turn into a, a parrot head. Are you a pirate <laughs> looking at thirty right now? Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> definitely a good example of that. Let's talk about this new album coming out. Well, I. I um my last release was was uh, sometime in 2021 and I've been doing these um series of EPs so four songs it's it's great for an independent artist the money that I earn from my day job goes into making these records so you know a couple hundred dollars here and there I can put out four songs and stay relevant to listeners I mean these these days you got to be sticking with it nobody's talking about the stuff that you did unfortunately um that you did five years ago. Got to be new. Yeah, it's it's all about um, the the algorithm and the Spotify and the streaming. It's unfortunately it's like that's how it is. So my way to to do that was put out four at a time and have four songs that are similar in the same mindset or where I was, and that way I can document kind of where I, what I was feeling at that time. Right. I haven't done that since 2021 and. Uh, I was doing like one a year, and I was writing songs pretty quickly after a big change in my life. I got married, you know, didn't even really have a steady relationship for a long time. So just all these changes were happening, and songs were just coming out so quick that I wanted to document it, but also didn't want to spend a lot of money in the studio. And that mixed with trying to create my own show. I've I've been in a position where I've had to play three-hour gigs or That's a long um, or mix or have to play with other people or sometimes these songwriter rounds, which I love to do. Mm-hmm. Songwriter rounds are so fun, but I don't get to create my own pace. Right. So this was a, an opportunity for me to basically produce my own show how I wanted it to be produced. And... Smith Chapel was the place to do it. I mean, it was such a cool environment. My hopes are that other people will do that because it's a lot of hard work, but it it, it kind of puts the responsibility on the artist, but also gives them the freedom to create their own environment and not get stuck into a situation or a gig that uh, people are talking a lot or yeah. it's more about drinking. <laughs> so... That's what I've kind of run into, and this was just such a great experience um, to for me to to rent out the the chapel and then kind of control the amount of people that would be there right. and in the evening. So well, and that's interesting. Do you like that that size of space? Is that a is that a good size for you? Part of my brand is um, a storyteller, so- songwriter. I want to be heard. I, I don't want to I don't want to do what I'm doing to compete with. A conversation going on in it, uh, or a, tele- a football game going on over your head while right. you're performing. So to to be able to create something 
an environment that I feel comfortable in, I'm going to perform at my best. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, 60 people, 70 people is, is ideal. Yeah. Any type of theater environment is, is ideal for me. Um, it was very intimate, and it just felt like you were talking to us. I mean, I think everybody in the room thought you were telling your jokes just to, like, us. You know, <laughs> yeah. it didn't feel like it was a performance so much as just, like, an interaction between friends. Yeah, I think there were probably three people that I didn't know by first-name basis in there that night. Yeah. So that was great, too. So it was like I was, was hanging out with family and friends, and, and I felt it for sure. I want to go back to something you said a minute ago when you were saying that when your life was going through so many changes, suddenly the songs were just pouring out of you. I love the fact that your wife's name is Monica. <laughs> yeah. So when you and Monica got married, you were you were happier than usual and, and more settled? And, and or Is that what inspired you to, to suddenly be turning out a bunch of songs? Yeah, I would say definitely overall happier. I, I don't think life became, you know, it wasn't like, Life is now the easiest it's ever been. There's a lot of challenges. I mean, I would never, I know you're, you're a dog owner. I personally never saw that in my future, but now I have a stepdog that <laughs> I adopted, I guess. But uh, so it's just stuff like that. I mean, it, it changed my life because I didn't have. I didn't have a lot of responsibility or I don't want to say restrictions, but right. um, it's just something I wasn't used to. Right. And weighing out the the two, uh, I'm a lot better off. I, I'm telling you, I just I know that uh, I just don't know where what could have happened if uh, if I hadn't been found someone to you know, not keep me in line, but just make sure that I someone knows where I am. <laughs> She's <laughs> you know? a, is she sort of an anchor for you? Yeah, I would I would say you're that. still you're still yeah. you know you're still bobbing and weaving, but yeah. but an anchor for you. Yeah. So I you know one of the songs that I've been singing now is about um, fitted sheets and matching socks. But that's the one that made me cry. Did it make mm-hmm. you cry? It did. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I, I've gotten some some backlash on that. That or I guess Monica has rather that um, is a song about doing chores and it it's not no. about doing chores at no. all it, it's uh, it's about just responsibility and and having a little bit of responsibility in your life when i didn't have a lot and that and that goes um, that goes back to like creating the environments that i want to play in because i i would say yes to almost everything yeah um, yeah which i still do but um i i'm not going to play three hours anymore because it's just too much your songs are really personal yeah, and I, 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 that's all I can do. I feel like I, if I were to write it like a metaphor or something, and then I couldn't listen to it back five years from then and not know what it means, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> what's the point of doing that? Because I'm trying, to, you know, selfishly document different stages in my life. It's it's fun to share with people, but ultimately I'm writing the songs because I, it's my therapy. It's and I got to get it out. So yeah, because if not, I'm just gonna they're just gonna. Just, stay up in my head so i feel like we need to play a little bit of something something do you want to play something that's going to be on the the next album yeah yeah let's do coke for the road grandma sold me my first car she gave me this here old guitar there's a few things i've rarely seen her do she would hardly ever cuss never smoke in front of us and she'd barely say the words I love you She'd say take a cork for the road Wherever you may go 
You may need it for whatever you may do Take a coke for the road I just want to let you know It's my way that I say I love you When Grandma got up in age I'd stop by once a day To make sure she was awake for the news I would turn the volume up Until she had enough Check the mail And help take off her shoes When the time came that Grandma passed away I took one and I laid it on her grave Here's a coke for the road Wherever you may go I'm proud to be the person you have made Take a coke for the road Wherever you may go You may need it for whatever you may do Take a coke for the road I just want to let you know It's my way that I say I love you Time it moves so fast And before you know it's past And now that I have grandkids of my own I stop them just before They're running out that door And I say here Take a coke for the road Take a coke for the road Wherever you may go You may need it for whatever you may do Take a coke for the road I just want to let you know It's my way that I say I love you Take a coke for the road Wherever you may go You may need it for whatever you may do Coke for the road, when, when did you write Take that? Um, I wrote a series of songs um, in 2020 while quarantined and that was tough. My wife and I, we, we both had uh, grandmothers that we had to stay away from that we were used to checking on at least once a week. So, you know, we, we masked up. Um, my wife worked in the, the nursing home. So she was, you know, in, in COVID units at, at certain points. And it was just a rough year. And, and uh, then we, we ended up losing both of our grandmothers that the next, the well, January and March. Hmm. It was. There's a lot of good things that that uh, at least songwriting wise that came out of <laughs> 2020, and I released. Uh, uh, that was also a year um, in my day job growing grapes. We had a 90 percent uh, loss from the Mother's Day freeze. Um, oh gosh! So I released the EP, and um, it was. I called it, and the vines grow still. 
Very poetic. Yeah, I told you I, I, how good I am at metaphors. You were- <laughs> so anyways, um, that came off of that one, and I uh, went to record it. I recorded it with just guitar and, uh, and a microphone and the producer. Yeah. Um, and you said it really does reflect how your how your grandmother would sort of send you off without yeah, saying, yeah. I love you per se. Yeah. So I, I moved in with my grandmother when my grandfather was, was ill uh, in, in Bonnetot County in Fincastle. I was in a uh, transition. It was kind of lost. And my granddad was uh, COPD and, and just not doing well. And so I moved in and we... My grandma and I kind of created a symbiotic uh, relationship where she re- relied on me to help with uh, my granddad, and then I relied on her for a place, a roof, and good <laughs> southern cooking. And um, I also, I, I kind of started doing songwriting in Roanoke, too, during that time, and before I'd go to an open mic or something, she'd say, take a Coke for the road. Um, and then we, uh, we kind of saw her forgetting how to say I love you, which in our family, that's that's how we say hello and goodbye. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. I haven't seen any studies on that, but after talking to other people hearing that song, that there's there's a lot of different ways that the elderly will say I love you, and whether it's a Werther's or Coca-Cola or boiled eggs, <laughs> coconut <laughs> cake. And that's been, that's been a lot of fun to do that song. And I'll always probably to be a part of me that doesn't like it because Coca-Cola is this massive brand and you know and there and, and now you're so identified with this song you yeah, can't not sing it yeah maybe they'll cut me a check I know my grandmother would really appreciate that let's take just a second to remind everybody that we're talking today with Adam Bolt um, who is a recording artist as well as a grape grower but also <laughs> a recording artist and he's got a new live album that's soon to be out when's that going to be ready by the way um I guess it just kind of depends on how far I want to take it up. I've been to the studio. We cut out about 40 minutes of storytelling. But we, that was so fun. Yeah, well, we left the important stuff. But some sometimes I'll just go on tangents of stuff that happened that day. I, I got very little sleep the night before because over the past five years, my neighbor shoots off an assault rifle at like one in the morning. How is that okay? I don't know. I really don't know. I've tried to do some research in it, but go on a tangent again. How does your stepdog respond to that? Oh, he doesn't like it. And and none of the dogs on the whole street like it. Uh, But the dogs don't have a lot of say in the in the community i feel like that's your next song (laughs) (laughs) i can see how easy it is to go off on that there was like 30 minutes of that that we cut out but the people that uh, that attended that night will get a full uncut version of that record and then to make it cd size or streamable we we're going to cut out some of that stuff so that's what we're that's the status of it right now it's being mixed and probably have it mastered and try to make it just really cool to listen to. I mean, live yeah. albums can go either way. Um, not, they're not for everybody. I personally, I love listening to Todd Snyder live albums, and and he goes on tangents, and yeah. sometimes we'll never come back. And I, I appreciate <laughs> that. So, what do you want people to know about your music? You know, like I've been learning more about power of positivity and and making things happen. I do believe that if you take yourself seriously, other people will. And I think for a long time. I kind of used my lack of musicality and I used humor as a crutch 
where now I'm kind of focusing on where the right time to use humor is and not just, you know, being court gesture on stage. Doing that, I've seen a lot of improvement in my shows and in interactions and what you're saying is you're maybe taking yourself a little more seriously as as a musician. Yeah. 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 And you, I've seen the benefits of doing that too. In in what way? Just more opportunities. 49 Winchester has reached out to me and opened up for a show for them. They they asked me to fill in for someone in Raleigh. And it was, um, it was a huge concert. Big 49 Winchester fans. Uh, it felt great. And I, I did a good job. I took it seriously. <laughs> then they asked me to play at the Paramount, which will be in April. So I'm going to open up for them. That opened you up to a whole new set of fans. I'm betting you didn't know the first names of all those people at that last I, concert. I did not. <laughs> <laughs> and people know the secret to, of, of doing this. I just didn't. And it, I'm trying to apply it to more things in life, too. To take things more seriously? I guess if, if I said that I was taking it more seriously and then you heard one of my songs, like Animals in the News or something like that, then... Now, you can laugh about that. <laughs> I actually think Animals in the News is profound, like in the same way that The Great Compromise is profound. Animals in the News is probably one of my favorite songs that I've ever written. Yeah. Um, I mean, really, it's like I listen to it and I, I mean, I want it to be funny, but it gets to me every time. Yeah, it's, it's a, it's a weird one. I don't mean take myself seriously, but I guess just stay focused or a little more professional maybe. I think yeah I think yeah. so yeah well and it clearly is turning into more of a profession for you because like you say you're getting more opportunities now and so it is a little different than just playing open mic at Wolfields yeah absolutely yeah and I think I think as far as like putting that energy out there or whatever it is that stuff's gonna come and, and you don't there's no need to chase it or force it uh, you just keep doing what you're doing and focus on yourself the music you know, in, in this day and age, everyone with a computer and a and a uh, microphone and a video camera is making music. That seem like it. Yeah. So you can't focus on... You're going to really enjoy my EP when it comes out. <laughs> I would love to hear. <laughs> but you, um, I can't worry about what you're going to do on your EP. I want to. So I can support <laughs> you, but if, if your EP gets top five or if you, you get a on TikTok famous right whatever I'm I'm really happy for you I'm going to still be doing this and uh, it's because you know yourself a little better do you get nervous getting up there I do I get nervous the day of a show I get really nervous 2 minutes before yeah and I I'm nervous the whole time when I'm up there I think my character is this nervous Mom says that I'm this cocky, nervous character. I'm not trying to be nervous and, and mumble. And just like on the radio, I'm not the most, uh, I don't know how to say a lot of words. <laughs> <laughs> My family used to make fun of me because I'd come up with different words that, you know, using context clues, you could figure out. They kind of made sense, but they weren't in, actually in the dictionary. Right? I guess it was so darn cute when I was growing up that they never corrected me. <laughs> so really, we can blame your family for this. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Let's take them to task right now. <laughs> well, we are completely running out of time. You've probably got socks to sort and, and songs to write. And now you have to go write this dog song that I'm all excited about. Yeah. Adam Bolt. The Emory and Henry class of 2012. I am so excited to have you in today, and I appreciate you sharing your thoughts with Me us today. Too, Monica. It's been great. Thank this you so much. This has been fun. Tell us how we can get the album once it's available. It will be on all streaming services, Spotify, Apple, iTunes, 
I would say, can we get a CD? But honestly, nobody's got anything to play it on anymore. Yeah, I, I've been thinking about putting out a CD, maybe as like a nostalgic thing, but a cup holder, <laughs> a, a coaster. All right. Well, Adam, thank you so much for sharing with us today. And I think we're going to try to play out on, um, you know, you can pick one if you want to, but you know, I'm partial to who you've been kissing on the mouth of Wilson. So it. we'll yeah. play out on that. Cool. Thanks again, Adam. Thank you. Appreciate you being with us. And thanks to everybody for listening in. Please keep listening to WEHC because after all, it is the voice of Southwest Virginia. Kissing on the mouth of Wilson Saw you down by the dam Told me you needed your independence. This racing boy will never Never